Hey listener, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. This episode is called Own Your Shit. I'm sitting here in my office and some memories are going through my mind even as I'm speaking with you and I kind of want to chuckle. Um, sometimes you have those childhood memories come up and you remember the place you were mentally and it makes you laugh, right? Well, one of the uh, memories of my ch- childhood that stands out most to me, most memorable, is um, one day when my brother and my cousin and I were in our living room and uh, my mom was at work. She was working two jobs and going to school and um, we were in home playing in the living room. Well, if you know anything about a black living room, that's the place where you can't go to sit, especially if you're a kid and there's plastic on the couch and there's the nice lamps and all that good stuff. And in our living room, there was a table a coffee table, a solid chrome with tinted, beveled, um, smoked um, glass in the middle of it. A lot of glass. We'll get to that later. Um, this table was special because my mom had had it for a long time. And for a long time, for years, it had stood on its side in the corner because the glass had gotten broken and my mom didn't have the money to get it fixed. After a long time, um, she spoke out and she talked about, you know, how frustrated she was. And she said this to her sister, who was one of the most generous souls you'll ever meet in life. And her sister surprised her, my Aunt Elaine. I love you, Elaine. Um, (laughs) She surprised her with the glass. She bought it for her. She replaced it. And I remember that day. I remember that day specifically because... The look in my mom's face when the glass was put in and the living room was finally complete, that look in her eye, that gleam and that relief and that satisfaction was such a beautiful thing because even at that age, you know, even where I was being so immature and so young, I recognized the joy that washed over her and what it meant for her. So for me, it was really, uh, it was a special moment. You know, and I wouldn't have known to actually express that, but I remember that looking back. Well, as kids do, you know, we get excited. And of course, you know, the first time mom goes back to work, we're in the living room and um, we're celebrating this gorgeous table. And of course, as kids do, we figure out a way to use it somehow in a wrong bastardized way. So we were actually taking turns, jumping on the edges of the chrome and walking across it, trying to avoid the glass, which my brother and my cousin did successfully because they're actually agile and strong and coordinated, whereas (laughs) I'm not. So the last time, I think maybe the fourth or fifth time that I jumped on the table, which, you know, of course right before that they had told me not to, uh, I slipped and I fell through the glass actually and landed in the middle of it. And when I say I landed in the middle of it, I am five feet. The table is five feet and um, the glass stretched five feet. So I was looking up from the floor with all of the shattered glass beneath me as though it were a bed My arms were hanging over the sides of the chrome table and my eyes were looking up at the ceiling, wondering how long it would be before I would die. Well, 
um, in true big brother fashion, <laughs> after they made sure that I wasn't cut and hemorrhaging somewhere, my brother dialed the phone and he called my mother at work at Hope Rescue Mission, where she served the homeless population. And he told her that I had something to tell her. And I remember the way my heart beat when he said he was going to do that. And I remember the words that crossed my mind as he dialed, but that is of no consequence. <laughs> I remember taking the phone from him and saying to my mother that I had stretched the phone cord across the floor and tripped and fell and my elbow went through the glass and destroyed her table. To which she responded, okay, I'll see you when I get home. And she hung up and I knew that that was probably the end of my life. And I decided at that moment that I would either die or lock myself somewhere or call the cops or whatever. But at any rate, I was too paralyzed to do anything. I just sat there and waited for her to come home. And she eventually did. And um, she walked in the door. She asked me, was I cut? And then she asked me to demonstrate for her exactly how that happened. And of course, um, <laughs> I, uh, I made this timid and ridiculous and absurd attempt to recreate something that never happened. <laughs> and after I did so, she turned around and walked up the stairs and closed her door to her bedroom. That was the moment I thought that she was putting the magazine in the gun and cocking it and getting ready to blow my brains out. I could only imagine that was the only thing left for her to do because I had destroyed her table and lied about it horribly to her face. Okay, so my mother's not, um, she's not a gun owner. At any rate, listen. I was scared as hell. And that was my response. What was worse than my response was the lump in my throat, listening to her tell my aunt on the phone that her table was destroyed. And the way that I felt in my gut, remembering how her face looked when her table came home and it was complete, remembering how she talked to my aunt on the phone for hours and expressed her gratitude and laughed and the joy that emanated from her, from this wonderful gift. And here I was, the one who had caused this awful, awful thing to happen. I knew instantly that she went upstairs and closed herself in her room to avoid, you know, strangling me. And, um, I waited for a while, expecting that at some point she would just come in and spank me, whoop me, ground me, take something, just do something and make this pain go away. But no, no, she left that responsibility and that weight on me. And that was the most painful and the most healthy and the most humane thing that she could have done because it was the biggest lesson that I have learned in my life. Um, remembering how she felt and knowing what I had done and receiving over and over and over again in my conscience and replaying that moment in my head taught me a lot about myself and living with myself through that situation, even at that age, 
was something that I will never forget and that I will always cherish because she gave me the opportunity to grow, you know, learn the hard lesson the hard way. So um, with tears in my eyes, puffy face and snotty nose, I listened to her explain to my, what my, you know, to my aunt what had happened. And it wasn't much longer after that. It wasn't a very long length of time that my aunt replaced it again because she had the means. God bless her. And I remember every time I passed that table in the living room, that spike that went through my heart when I glanced at it. And I remembered what I felt about myself when I looked in the mirror that was actually hanging on the wall, not far from it. And I told myself that I would never, ever be in that situation again. And uh, once I was a grown woman and my mother moved thousands of miles away and I was behind at least five locks, I told her what really happened. And we laughed about it, of course, now because I'm an adult or whatever. But I remember, um, I remember the looks on my brother's face and my, my cousin's face when they listened to me tell this ridiculous lie and how they hung their heads when they walked away. Looking back on that as an adult, I am so grateful for all of the lessons I learned from that because though, um, you know, it was a long time ago. Those impressions, they, they've never gone away. I wish I could tell you that I've never told a lie from that day to this one, that I've always been honest and upfront and totally, um, God, totally truthful from that day to this one. That, my friend, would be a lie. <laughs> um, we have traumatic events. We have fear and we have all, we have life. And for whatever reason, because we're human, we come across circumstances and situations where we are fearful and fear of losing someone, losing something or fear of pain leads us to this crossroads where we can either tell the truth or we can throw the rock and hide our hands. And depending upon the weight of the situation and the, the depth of the consequence, we may just find ourselves doing the latter, throwing the rock and hiding our hands, blaming it on something else, lying or putting the responsibility elsewhere. And it's in those moments that we shrink and we steal power away from ourselves. We put ourselves in the position to be weak and not necessarily vulnerable, but open. Vulnerability is um, where the, you as a person are willingly sharing and placing yourself for a moment in someone else's hands. Um, and that's actually a loving thing for you to do. We're afraid to do it because we don't trust or we're afraid, right? And so we hide, we hide ourselves behind lies. We hide ourselves behind shirked responsibilities, but whatever it is, we run from it and we give other people or other things our power. But when you're vulnerable, you're saying, this is me and you'll take all of me. I own me 
and I have the power to show you me or I have the power to close myself off. But I am owning my shit and I am being vulnerable because I stand behind it. And I stand behind my product, good or bad. That is vulnerability. And you're giving the other person the opportunity to accept or reject you. But you're also letting them know that by no means are you backing away from any ounce of who the fuck you are. Well, I lost myself in life, in pain, in trauma after trauma after trauma. And you've had them too. I'm no special case. But um, I put myself in positions where um, I didn't necessarily teach people how to treat me in the best ways. And so I found myself in many instances and cases where I was traumatized. And so when confronted with something that looked like pain, I was going to run. And some of my running looked like lying or hiding or avoiding, right? Creative avoidance or, um, you know, like just like you do or many other people. It's, oh, I, I forgot. I didn't know. Um, I thought you knew. Well, I didn't. Well, if you hadn't, I wouldn't. All of those things, all of these excuses that we make, all of these lies we tell or all these ways that we avoid owning our shit, weaken us. They deplete us of our power. The only strength that we have, the only thing we control, the only thing that we own is us. And when you hide behind a lie, you're running from something that basically is stealing your power. Anything you run from owns you. So I've been in situations as a kid uh, where, you know, my brother wanted something or he wanted me to do something or stop doing something. And he would say, if you don't, I'm going to tell mom what you did. And it worked. Of course it worked, you know, until I got older and bolder or just mad enough or sometimes dumb enough to say, do it. Tell. The first time I remember doing that, I remember the look on his face where he was like, what? <laughs> that shock that... Oh my God. And I remember thinking in the back of my mind in that split second, yeah, I won. And of course, you know, looking back, this is kid stuff. You know, these are things that you do when you're a child, but it bleeds over into our adult lives. Um, in situations where you've done something you're not proud of, you've done something or maybe not done something that you were supposed to, are you able to look someone eyeball to eyeball, flat-footed and say, yeah, I did it. This is me. This is who I am or what I am or what I've done or where I am, whatever the case may be. And I own that. I own every bit of it. That's not to say that you don't apologize for your wrong. It's not to say that you don't try to make it right or whatever. But the first step to anything healthy is fucking owning your shit. We lose ourselves in lies and we squander our power when we push off responsibility to anything other than ourselves. So let me stop here and let me recognize, acknowledge something. We're not always responsible for the bad things that occur in our lives. Owning your shit is not saying I'm at fault for everything. That's absolutely not what I mean. Imagine that your life is your room this is the space you're given. This is the 
atmosphere and the opportunity that is placed within your hands. People will enter and people will wreck shop. People will enter and people will help you or people will enter and they will help you destroy it. But at the end of the day, we all have responsibility and it hurts. Oh my God, it hurts. It hurts to say that I'm responsible for allowing this person into my life. I'm responsible for teaching this person how to treat me. I'm responsible for not seeking help or I'm responsible for believing what wasn't true that I might have known in my heart wasn't true about someone or I'm responsible for what I have done to someone else um, where I didn't have the education, where I didn't have the support, where I didn't have the tools to do what was best. I wasn't healthy. So I want to acknowledge that because it's not that this is about blame or shame or guilt. This is about responsibility. It's simply saying that you are the master of your domain and it's between your ears. You are absolutely responsible for everything in your life. Gulp. You are responsible for everything in your life. You might not like what happened. You might not have brought it to yourself, but it's here now. You might not have brought it into your room, but you are responsible for moving it out or cleaning it up. And it hurts. It hurts to look back on situations and know that you knew better and realize that you failed yourself. So this is where you own your shit and you say to yourself, I will do better next time. I still deserve love or I still deserve acceptance or I still love me or I still owe that person an apology, right? Um, <laughs> at any rate, I'll say it again for the people in the back. You are responsible for everything in your life. You may not have called it, but you may have to clean it. You may not have caused it, but you may have to cure it. And I don't mean may, I mean you absolutely will. Eventually, that junk drawer in your heart, in your mind is going to have to get cleaned out because there's something in there that you need there's also something in there that is foul and stagnant and it's making you sick. So I want to encourage you, beseech you, admonish you, plead with you to stand flat footed in your power. Look, your greatest fears, your greatest devastations, your greatest disappointments and your greatest fuck ups and say, that belongs to me. I did it. I own my shit, good and bad. Whatever it is, I own it. That's where your power is. That's the place that you reign from. That's the place where no one, absolutely no one has victory over you because you've taken responsibility for yourself and therefore given everyone else in your space the opportunity to do the same thing. Thing. I hope that if you have the opportunity to mend that relationship, to speak that truth, to forgive, to release and relieve that you will stand flat footed and do just that. And if for whatever reason, the other individual involved maybe is not um, available for that or not open to that, 
You'll at least stand and look yourself in the eyes of the mirror and you'll speak it out. You'll cry it out. You'll pray it out and you'll own it and know that you're better for it. So um, <laughs> with that, oh, I, I will share with you that um, <laughs> my mother still has that table. <laughs> it still has the beautiful glass in it. And right now I'm sure it's got mail for me on it. <laughs> so I, I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope that you will take my advice and find a way to clear out your junk drawer and own your own shit. <laughs>